These are the funniest people I know. These are the funniest people I know. Said improv riffing, callers and sketches, characters and interviews, and then some more sketches. Now these are the funniest people you know. Now these are the funniest people you know. Now these are the funniest, these are the funniest, these are the funniest, these are the funniest people I know. Hello, world, and welcome to The Funniest People I Know, a radio podcast where I ask the funniest folks I know here in Atlanta, Georgia, live... We're not live. ...in the studio to write original sketch comedy. We're going to hear sketches that are hot off the presses every week that were just written, and then we're going to make fun of each other and commentary. So uh, once again, I'm Will Amato. I'm here... uh, Right now, I'm sitting here in a pair of pajama shorts. I am George, and one of my fraternity brothers once wrote a poem about me called No Integrity. (laughs) (laughs) I am Dewey, and I've legally changed my name three times in my life. I'm TJ, and I watch Grey Gardens when I'm sad. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Lily, and I once grew a marshmallow plant in school. Do it's marshmallows grow on trees? It's more complicated than that, but in <laughs> essence, yes. In public school, they do. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I want to start every episode by checking in with our friend TJ, because he's got such a unique uh, life and perspective. TJ, what have you been doing this week? Okay, so, Will, um, I, I'm on YouTube a lot, so <laughs> I'm just like watching, um, but I was trying to go watching YouTube videos, and I went to bed, and then my mind just wouldn't go to sleep, So, because I was thinking about how The Lovely Bones ended, and I couldn't remember, <laughs> so I looked on YouTube how The Lovely Bones ended, and it showed me, and I watched it, and then the suggested video was like, how... Wait, sorry, The Lovely Bones is The Lovely TV Bones show? is a movie? It was a book for Cersei Ronan? Uh-huh. Cersei? I forgot. Her I... name is Sorsha. Sorsha. Okay, uh-huh. my bad. Sorsha Ronan. And then the other suggested video was like how does remember me end with robert pattinson so i watched that and the next suggested video or videos were like all these 9-11 videos we all know how that ended yes (laughs) well it wasn't like how 9-11 ended it was just like all these really videos so i watched 9-11 videos and then you watched great gardens because you were sad yes yes Uh, I like that your mind goes day. to sleep perhaps yes. differently than you do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so TJ could be dead, but his mind is still working all night long. Well, all. thanks. I'm glad to have you, TJ. Yeah. So uh, we're going to go into our first segment here, folks. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we've got for you listening on the radio a guided meditation. Namaste and welcome to morning meditation where we can take a moment out of our busy lives for ourselves to find comfort and peace. Let's take a deep breath and close our eyes. When we take the time to look inward, we can open our inner eye to the ever-expanding nature of the universe, a universe larger than our mortal brains can fathom, in which we are an insignificant speck living numbered days, never knowing which will be our last morning. Oh, but mornings are great, aren't they? Nothing better than that first cup of coffee. And we can really do ourselves a favor by taking the time early on for that bit of self-care that tells yourself, I am worth it. Especially when the rest of your day is a never-ending slew of demoralizing interactions with strangers who can't be bothered to contemplate your individual being and often instead to demonize or patronize your every word and action for their own gain or pleasure. Pleasure. Oh, now that's a fun word. A good word to bring our awareness to for the last few minutes of meditation. I like to focus on the small pleasures we are gifted with every day. 
like when you step out of the shower and the towel is still warm for the dryer, or anything that makes you smile. They're little things, really, but it makes a major difference when you can focus on these things, put on the mental and spiritual blinders, so to speak, so that all you can see are these trivial minutia of synthetic joy in an otherwise chaotic world plagued by horror and fear, where existence is meaningless and the agony of life cannot be dulled even by the repetitive breathing patterns of narrated by YouTubers mewling for your attention so they can prove their、mm. self-worth to millions of disinterested viewers. <laughs> oh, and that brings us to the end of our meditation today. Wow, time really flew by. I'm feeling the wholesome effects of this peaceful concentration already. Thank you, listeners, for sharing your practice with me, and I look forward to sharing my practice with you next week on morning meditation. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I feel relaxed and also filled with dread. I am such a slave to YouTube, by the way. We've <laughs>、um, learned this. I'm just always on it to see what's up with those YouTubers. I'm slightly aroused. Yeah, <laughs> I'm hungry. Yeah, but I think that's a that reminded me. Of, speaking、almonds? of YouTube,、uh, you know the ASMR videos. ASMR. Oh yeah, the crinkling of papers. Yes,、Ooh. it's always her kind of voice.、Uh, so yeah, that was nice.、It. Certain people with ASMR experience almost a slight arousal, right, or a tingle. Yes, they're they're they are sexually turned on by crumplings of paper Ooh, or. That's not a thing. Yeah, that's not a Wait, thing. What does ASMR stand for? Yep, audio sensory.、Mm, no. Something. I can't yes, be real、oh, okay. life. It really is.、Sure. There's YouTube videos、Come、where、on. they just—if it's on YouTube, it's real life. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. It's real, George. It's real. And they whisper to you. Yes.、Ooh. And then people that turn turned on by the whisper—they really. But it's not、know. new. Let me go to sleep. It's not new. Yeah.、Uh, I experienced it in 1989 at the Disney MGM Studios. They had they had a booth that you. They were trying to turn、that? people were, on at Disney. Paper? That was <laughs> no. With Disney's up to everything. <laughs> they cannot trust those people. They were in it way、uh, years ago, but yeah, it was a blow dryer in your ear from one ear to the other. Anyway, yeah. Well, folks, we've got another interview here、uh, in the studio. We've got a recent transplant. He's、yeah. just moved to Atlanta from New York City. So,、uh, welcome. Thank you, thank you, Will. This is wonderful. Look, I've only been living in Atlanta for two months, but that's plenty of time for me to say with confidence the people here are meddlesome. You Atlantans, <laughs> you Atlantans get、yeah. very personal very quickly. I mean, every day somebody asks me if I'm ITP or OTP. <laughs> And number one, it's none of your business. And number two, I haven't been tested recently. <laughs> yes. All right, in Manhattan, where I curate a respected art gallery in a light and airy loft space in Soho, no one would dare ask such a personal question. We've got too much going on in our own lives to think about yours. There are eight million people on one tiny island, and every one of us is focused and in the game. We don't have time to actually see one another. In Manhattan, you can walk down the street on any given day, and not a single person will acknowledge that you even exist. And that's how it should be. There's none of this intrusive "Howdy there, neighbor." Clearly, Atlantans have time to spare, but please spare me. I may be forced to walk your quaint little Atlanta streets temporarily, but I'm still a New Yorker. I have places to be and homeless people to step over. <laughs> 
<laughs> the other day I was taking a stroll over in Cabbage Town. <laughs> you all know the place. That cute little neighborhood of adorably overpriced 19th century poorhouses that have been converted to 21st century poorhouses, but, you know, with brighter coats of paint. So I was seated upon a bench in a small park, enjoying the southern shade, minding my own business, and as I was unwrapping my power bar... A young woman walking her pit bull or rottweiler or mastiff or some such intimidating breed of flea conveyance. <laughs> she says to me, hello, sir. Well, I look up from staring at the ground as a proven and effective avoidance tactic. And I respond to her, what? And now this woman looks directly into my face and says with a smile, no less, I'm just saying hello. Well, I will not be so openly challenged. <laughs> I looked this woman directly in her face, and I said, Why would you do that? I think I hurt the poor girl's feelings. Now, look, I realize that you Atlantans love to categorize this woman's invasive behavior as southern hospitality or simply being polite, but I'm not afraid to call it what it is, a clear and direct threat. Make eye contact with a New Yorker, <laughs> and you're asking for trouble. The fact is... No matter the city in which you find yourself trapped, <laughs> connecting with another human being mm. on a deep and meaningful level is just plain rude. <laughs> Leave me alone and thank you. Wow. Wow. So nice. Moving is tough. <laughs> it is, especially when you come from a city like New York, where is, you know, uh, eye contact is threatening. Where here, people want to talk to you in the South, It's right? disconcerting. Mm. <laughs> I agree, though. I, I'm born and raised in Atlanta, and I could go the rest of my life without talking to a stranger. You know how I feel about people I don't know. So <laughs> you were born in Atlanta, but you're a New Yorker at heart. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> it's just like a city thing, too, yeah, as maybe. well. Yeah, and also a curmudgeon thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, but that's where that came from. I literally have just moved here from, from New York and was in a park, and this woman said hello to me, and I was like, why would you do that? That was my, that was my response. <laughs> so I rude. almost said it. it. was like, why are you speaking to me? What do you want? But, you know, you, you uh, Will, you're, you lived in New York for a while, too, so there's that, there's that decompression time where you're like, why? You can see me? <laughs> yeah, I was unloading a couch from a trailer when I first moved here, and a man stopped on the street and offered to help me. And when he got out of the car, I said, Lily, we're dead. They're going to take my couch. He was halfway out of the truck before he even was like, hey, can can I, can I help with that? So we, we didn't have time to say no before he almost had like his hands on the couch helping us down the driveway. Right, right. And the truck... It was know, like aggressively friendly. I think that's the best way to describe <laughs> it. And the couch was $20 from Goodwill, so we were kind of like, well, <laughs> we got it. You know, a 60-inch loveseat. Yeah. Now it's time for a segment called The Writer's Graveyard. Take it away, George. Hey, so, you know, as a writer, you have an idea, and it's like, oh, that's the best idea ever. I'm going to win an Oscar. This is going to be the great American novel. And you start writing furiously, and then you're like, page three, and you're like, I'm <laughs> out of ideas. And you, and you stop, and you never look at it again. You find it months later, and you're like, I, you're like, oh, this was pretty good. And you get to page three, and you're like, wait, wait, I, what was the rest of the story? And so that's what inspired this idea. It was inspired by my friend Debbie. And so I went into a drawer, and I dug up uh, an old piece, and I do not remember writing it, but I think it's from 2013 or 14, sometime there. And you so, couldn't stand to look at it yourself, so you handed it to I me handed it and to said, you. you read it. I handed it to you to read it, because <laughs> yes. I, yes, I think you should read it. I am going to do it. All right, this is what you found in your drawer. Yes. Martha stood in line at the post office, tapping her foot and staring at the clock on her phone. She counted the people in front of her. Five. 
and continued tapping impatiently. When it was finally her turn, she bought a sheet of stamps, so expensive, and asked, <laughs> and asked for the change in dimes. And another dollar in dimes, please. She took her stamps and her change and walked to the copy machine in the corner. At the copy machine, she opened the manila envelope and pulled out a newspaper clipping. She placed it on the screen. She fed the machine full of dimes and pressed 12 on the keypad. She heard a familiar voice as she pressed the start button. Martha? The woman said. Martha turned her head to see Mary Alice Strong. They had worked in the same office several years ago. Mary Alice was the kind of woman you kept far away from your husband. Martha pretended not to hear her and instead replaced the clipping with a certificate and fed the copier for another 12 copies. Martha! The woman shouted. It's me, Mary Alice. How are you? Didn't you hear me, silly? You'll have to excuse me, Martha uttered, barely over a whisper. I'm bereaved and returned to her copier. <laughs> Mary Alice stumbled over words of condolence and apology as Martha barged past her. She walked to a table in the lobby. Mary Alice spouted offenses as Martha emptied the contents of the manila envelope onto the slate table. She had half a mind to tell Mary Alice everything she had thought of her over the past 12 years, but swallowed the words one last time. One more hour, she thought, reciting the internal countdown that had become somewhat of a mantra over the past 16 months. It had been 16 months, 11 days, and 9 hours since her clock started, when Leroy broke the proverbial straw the moment he struck her in the public supermarket. She had said something smart, funny, the catalyst of her countdown, and she couldn't remember what it was, and then smack, right by the dairy case as she was selecting Oreos, which uneventfully fell to the floor. <laughs> when she told her sister the story, she said she was holding eggs and added a yolk on the shoe detail. <laughs> Oh, she added a yoke on the shoe detail. That's very important how you read that. She came home, and after she put the groceries away, made dinner, put the kids to bed, cleaned the kitchen, and ushered Leroy to the couch, she sat at the kitchen table paying bills, she told him, and started her clock. Always a planner, she made a list. She wrote across the top of a sheet of personalized stationery, things I need in order to leave, and she began listing, one, $25,000, two, computer skills, Three, a job prospect. <laughs> she had worked for the past 16 months, saving leftover change, selling junk from the basement and attic. She found her daughter's old computer and began teaching herself skills. She embraced social media. She got a Facebook. She avoided friending or talking to her children for fear they'd die of embarrassment. She figured out the YouTubes and recently began using Twitter. The day finally came. She crossed everything off the list and went into the den to do it. She was going to walk in and say, Leroy, I'm leaving you. Goodbye. Originally, she thought to say, dinner's on the table, but she decided <laughs> against it. She walked in, and of course, the old jerk had one-upped her and dropped dead. She went back to her list and added four. Barry Leroy. <laughs> Five. Settle affairs. She buried Leroy on Friday. She wanted to do it earlier, but they said the ground was too cold. She waited until Tuesday to contact the attorney. Respect. I'm no good with this. How can we settle? The SOB left her everything. No mistress, no surprises. She slept with Leroy's cousin at the funeral. Oh. And then it went into the drawer. And then it went into the drawer. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, Do my you God. remember, like, what mental state or any, like, event in your life that prompted that story? So I've thought about this for a while, and I think... <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing the post office, and I think I must have seen 
this scene. Like, either I've made this up in my head, or I think I saw two women kind of having this interaction and one woman ignoring the other one, and it inspired this. <laughs> but clearly I didn't inspire much beyond page two. <laughs> TJ, what are your like, thoughts right like, Yeah, like a, like a really short like, film. Like, <laughs> Very yeah, short. I love it. Oh, we, we should make this sometime. <laughs> I think it should come it, up from the grave. It just needs a plot. Resurrected. Do you find that when you sit down to write, you often write main characters that are mainly women, or do you... Yes. Because I'm totally judging you off of this one and only thing I've ever seen of you writing. I'm like, he's a gay man that writes for women, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's... Not only women, but often for women. Yeah, yeah, yeah we do that. <laughs> yeah. We gay men do that. We're yeah. just like, I'm going to write for a woman. Well, somebody has to. Come on, Golden Girls, Sex in the yeah. City. That was us. I, yeah. You and me, doing yeah, that. You and me and I've, you. I've lost all the money, though, from most <laughs> Sex and the City jobs. It's funny, because I struck with the fact that you've written this from this perspective of this old, unhappy married woman, which is funny, right? Because, I mean, we put ourselves into the writing, so I imagine uh, what was going on in your head, you know, when you thought about this. But I also love the idea that standing in the post office, you're like, I'm going to write this, this history for this person <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Inspiration comes from everywhere. And then the dimes was so weird to me. I guess a copy is a dime. It is in, in Tucker, Georgia. <laughs> right on. Well, this has been the Writer's Graveyard, so you can write in and tell us if you want to see that made into a short film. Resurrected? <laughs> Should yeah. it be resurrected or not? Should I, we finished? I think so, TJ. I'd love to hear the sketch of this yeah. you know, from you. I love when she added, what is it, bury her husband to the list. Oh, God, that was yeah. so funny. I mean, that would be the button to me. In sketch. Yes, that's mm -hmm. the button. I was like, it they didn't need number five. Bury Leroy was so funny. Well, thanks, George. That was the Writer's Graveyard. I'm going to do my own next week, so we're going to switch, take turns every week. But right now, folks, we've got a real treat for all the sports fans. Reporting for us today are legendary pickleball correspondents Mia Scheltzer and Steve Goodwin. Uh, Mia and Steve, how's the connection down there? Good. Loud and clear. Fine. Good. So they're on the scene now for the most anticipated game of the season at the uh, this, uh, Red Light Cafe. Uh, wait a second, is, is that right? Isn't isn't the Red Light Cafe an Atlanta burlesque venue? Yes, Will. You see, this year's pickleball bracket came to a sudden draw when MVP Randy Dowdle suffered an acute case of tennis elbow in the final play on the YMCA courts. Until Randy's Medicaid kicks in, the network has Mia and I downtown to cover the hottest matchups in the striptease bracket. <laughs> Steve, you've got it in one there. We're bringing you coverage today of the Tempting Tarts Burlesque Showcase. <laughs> and the excitement is palpable here by the stage as they're about to start. Steve, what do we know about the talent we're going to see here tonight? Well, we've got some proven winners on the field. Mary Rich has had a breakout season here in Atlanta with her ACRs, that is, audience catcall readings, topping 80 decibels. Speaking of cats, Lady Kitty is a rookie sensation out of Alabama, and we're in for a treat with her debut performance. The lights have dimmed, so we're counting down the seconds until the start. And that's the kickoff. The spotlight is centered, and entering stage right is Wolfgang Warren in a three-piece suit. A trick play right off of the gate. You don't see many male burlesque dancers, but he's making up for what he lacks on top with that hip action. Are we seeing the famed Travolta wiggle, Steve? And more importantly, how does the crowd feel about it? We're getting some good vibes here. The woos from the crowd mean he's gaining some yards as he slips that suit jacket off and tosses it into the audience. Of course, the second row is where you'll meet some resistance, and they're not looking too happy right now, Mia. 
Yes, those are the stoic faces of the heteronormative, Steve. We all know they're just here for the pasties. Wolfgang is going to have to make some adjustments if he wants to come out on top. Well, it looks like his adjustment is too sassy offstage. <laughs> There's still some time for a Hail Mary, so he's coming back. And is that... Yes, that's Lady Kitty. He's pulling onto stage. Oh, the crowd is loving this. It looks like Kitty could be the toughest defense they've got. She's in a skin-tight polyester cat suit, bomber jacket, and fuzzy cat ears. Steve, <laughs> what do we need to see from this rookie to really bring down the house? Well, Mia, she's blowing the game wide open. Was this a double act from the beginning, or did they just dodge a bullet there? No matter now. The place is pandemonium. The jacket is off with a wink, and that shimmy has thawed the second row. We've got cheers and smiles across the board right now. And that's a kickball change pot of beret into a front zipper pull. Oh, what a play and great hustle from Lady Kitty. We've got a bit of brazier showing now, and the audience decibel levels are rising. <laughs> Kitty is moving now onto the shoes, and she's got to step it up here because the clock is counting down. She's working on the second lace, but there are tall boots, and she'll really have to dig deep. You can see her inexperience showing here with the laces, right, Steve? Never say never, but it's a risky move. You can bet that champion Mary Rich will have opted for zipper or slip-on shoes. We're still on Lady Kitty, and she's about to go for the final pull to get those boots off. And watch her hands here as she grips the heel. And oh no, it's a fumble! Oh, this could get ugly. It appears the sweat has suctioned the final boot onto her left foot. Can she maintain her composure? This is crunch time. There's still time left, and it looks like... Yes, she recovered the play with a tattling high kick that sends the boot flying off stage. Amazing! She's got a big break here, and now she's powering through the finale. The cat suit is down to her waist, and it looks like she's setting the textbook cheeky glance finish. And she's executing that play flawlessly, Steve. She's got her back to the crowd now as the rest of the cat suit is whipped off in one move. I bet she's wishing she's had those quick-release buttons for the shoes. There's no looking back now, Mia. Lady Kitty is gaining momentum, and all she has left is the kitty ears and a G-string. Will she be able to bring it home? She's turning back around now, Steve, and yes! She's done it! Ooh. The crowd is electric! Oh, my God. We've got full tassel pasties in view, and the second row is on their feet! Those aren't just tassels, Mia. Those are tiny velvet kitty tails. Wow, <laughs> what a finish! She really ties the whole act together. She really played her heart out tonight, Steve. Lady Kitty's act promises good things for the rest of the performances this season. So make sure to tune in as burlesque sensations go head-to-head -head in the championship rounds to come. To our audience at home, thank you and good night. <laughs> wow, thank you both very much for that Two startling. of my favorite things, <clears throat> naked women in sports. <laughs> yeah. We're going to jump on now to a segment called <laughs> Defend Your Likes. So George has gone through some of our social media accounts. He's picked one or two that he's going to basically challenge us on, and we're going to have to defend things we've either liked or posted on social media. I don't know what these are. We don't know what these are. Take it away. I know way more about you guys than I ever wanted to. <laughs> I, gosh. I Wait, searched back as You did far. one for everybody? I have some for everybody, but I may not get on okay. Facebook, but Twitter, I'm going to start with your dislikes. And TJ, I'm going to look at you. Oh, on June 2nd, 2015, 
You posted <laughs> oh, wow. from CelebrityYahoo.com an yes. article that said, Eddie Redmayne set for Harry Potter prequel, and then posted, but why? <laughs> why do you dislike Eddie Redmayne? Uh, do okay. you take that back now that you've seen the movie? I'm not a huge Eddie Redmayne fan. Um... Gosh, what was going on? Defend my this head? dislike of Eddie Redmayne in this movie. I don't know. I just, I don't know. It's something about his face. I don't know <laughs> what it is. And Eddie Redmayne's face is one of the like worst faces ever. It's just like very, ugh, Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> you know? I don't know how to describe it. No, just I like, think I just, you did. I, I just want to punch it. I don't know, honestly. <laughs> I, I mean, imagine you taking it I don't want to go back. on record as I didn't think you were going to insult I'm going to space. punch Eddie Redmayne, but... You you're know. a terrible person. I might. You're, you're, you, <laughs> are, you are actually on record. That's, exactly. Yeah, no. That's what Gosh, this is. Yeah, poor Academy Award winner no Eddie Redmayne. Yeah. All right, what else you got for us, George? Uh, okay. Will, February 28th, 2015. Oscar winner for overrated movie of the year, Birdman. Do you still hold by your hatred of Birdman? One, this seems quite visceral. One hundred percent. Birdman is so good. Oh my gosh! What the pretension <laughs> of that man? Oh, I'm an actor with some success. I make so much money. My life is so hard. Mm. Oh great! They followed him. It's one camera shot for many, many. <laughs> it was a great minutes. shot. Oh, the whole movie? Yeah, it was oh, good. I never it was, saw it. It was great. That was artistic. It was one camera shot down so a good. long hallway, and oh, we turn right. Now we turn left. Now we try. I mean, there's a reason. And editing is a thing. It's so that you can trim the fat and make things interesting. Yeah. I thought Birdman was so overrated. I defend that like 100%. Yeah. Uh, all right, I've got one more. Uh, Lily, September oh. 16th, 2016. You posted a photo of yourself in a canoe in the middle of a lake. I saw it. I saw it. As your profile photo. Now, here's what I'm going to say about that. <laughs> that looks like she's yeah. that remains to this day your profile photo. Why do you not have a new photo in the last two years? <laughs> I I think I'm like an old lady in many ways, and one of those is my aversion to Facebook, okay. which is unusual for the fact that I'm just like a 26-year-old person, and usually social media is one of those things that we can do pretty easily. But I, I get that kind of phobic, like, oh, I don't want people to know too much about my life. Like, you know, they're going to start stealing my identity, and I'm moving into my house. Who knows? People are going to yeah, start getting worried that you're still that's you. <laughs> yeah, they might so think I've never left. You never but know. Maybe that explains why she's the only one of us in this room that has positioned herself in the corner with her back against the wall facing the door. <laughs> in case there's intruders, I'll be ready. Yeah. You guys will yeah. be the first to they go. They found you. Yeah, you're dead. It's time now for our advice section, Dear TJ. Thank you, Will. So with our first episode, we somehow got an email for advice. So Jessica from Nebraska writes, Wow. Uh, <laughs> We're huge in Nebraska. Exactly. Um, don't underestimate Jessica or Nebraska because they're in the know. So Jessica writes, Dear TJ, I've happily been a vegan for over two years now, but I haven't told my family. <laughs> Y'all are so mean to Jessica right now. This is terrible. Well, her name is Jessica. <laughs> Putting herself out there, all right? Yeah, She's in Nebraska. Her name's Jessica. <laughs> So she writes, my dad is a meat salesman who sells beef all over the Midwest region, and he openly complains about potential vendors wanting to make more room for vegan alternatives. How do I tell my dad that I'm one of those vegans who wants vegan-friendly alternatives? 
the worst. Ooh, uh, what, is, what is your advice for him? Uh, I'm saying, Jessica, just come out to your dad about being vegan and let him know. Let your vegan flag shine. Or fly? Fly. <laughs> is there a let vegan your vegan flag? There should be. <laughs> Everybody uh, has a flag. It should be. Yeah, Jessica, just, so, just tell him. I think it'll feel better. Anyone else? TJ, I'm dad. You're Jessica. Okay. How might she say it? Oh, wait, you're dad. I'm Jessica. <clears throat> dad. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> it's been a while. Hey. Um, how's it going? Great. No, I'm, I'm eating a steak. It's, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's delicious. God. Okay. Um, so I have something on my mind that I've been wanting to tell you for a while now. Oh, honey, you know you can tell me anything. Okay. Well, oh, great. Awesome. So, <laughs> <clears throat> you know how, like, some people eat meat and <laughs> some people don't. <laughs> Well, I... Yeah, I mean, real Americans all eat meat. Well, you know, I mean, there's tons of, like, dietary options these days. Some people choose to eat meat. Some choose to be healthy. I don't know. It's like, whatever. But anyway, so... It's such my fault. Yes. So, Dad, I just wanted to, I don't know, let you know that I maybe might be someone who doesn't eat meat at all, ever, or anything that comes from an animal. Dad, 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 talk to me, please. I think he died. No, no. get out of the house. I like that in your mind. That's the most direct, honest way to come out. Maybe might be. Who knows? Maybe, like so. I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel Jessica's pain, though. When I went vegan, uh, I kept it a secret. And so for a while, yes. I was secretly vegan. And, yeah. you know, Chris, my oh, husband, gosh. months into it, he's like, I, I've noticed that you haven't cooked meat in a while. And then weeks later, he's like, are we vegan? Yeah. <laughs> are we vegan? Oh, that's a true couple right there. Are we vegan? Yes. Well, yeah, so we encourage you here at The Funniest People I Know, if you're a vegan... Come out to your friends and family. <laughs> yeah, especially and gentlemen, in Nebraska. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you, I'm Jessica. Will Amato. I'm George. I'm Dewey. TJ. Lily. And this is The Funniest People I Know. See you next week. Bye.